Go to John, please, the 15th chapter. John 15 has been our main text. It says, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch. Somebody say every branch. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. The Father takes away. I don't like the sound of that. Tell me what the solution is. Bear some fruit. And every branch. He says it again. So you say it again. Every branch. Every branch that bears fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. Is the Lord interested in us bearing fruit? He certainly is, and he has every right to. He has invested so much into us. He's watered us. He's fed us. He's enlightened us. He's enabled us. Invest, invest, invest. Should he expect some kind of return out of us, some kind of results, some kind of fruit? He absolutely expects. And if you're already producing fruit, what does he expect? More, more fruit. And he has every right to. And do you have a desire to produce more? Yes. Uh, skip on down in verse 8. He said, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Skip down to verse 16. You've not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. What did he choose us for? What did he ordain us to? That you should go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. We studied early on in this series about how the time's coming. When the fire is going to try every man's works, what we did. And if it was wood, hay, and stubble, it's going to be consumed by the fire. I don't care if you spend a million hours doing it. It's going to be gone like that, and it meant nothing. But if it was done, By the direction of the Lord, if it was done by faith and by the Spirit, it's going to stand the test of the fire and come out gleaming like gold and silver and precious stones. And it's going to remain forever. It is fruit that remains eternal. Now you and I have a very, very brief time down here. I know this is all we've known in a few years or 10 or 20 or 50 years. may seem like a long time to you, but I'm telling you, the Lord says it's a vapor. It's a mist. It's here. It's a poof. And it's gone. Soon and very soon, every one of us is out of here. One way or the other. So our days are precious. You know the stories Jesus told us about the man who uh, had great harvest naturally. And he said, uh, he had so much he didn't know where to put it. He said, where am I going to put all my stuff? And so he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, my storage places. I'll build bigger barns and bigger storage places. And I'll say, soul, you got much goods laid up for many years. Eat, drink, and be merry, you know. You got it made. And the Lord said to him, you fool. He's a fool. You fool, this night your soul will be required of you and all that stuff that you got, who's going to wind up with it? Whose will it be? He was redeeming his stuff and didn't know he was out of time. The Bible didn't tell us to redeem our stuff. What does it tell us? Redeem your time. Make the most 
of every opportunity every day. People are doing things that is an absolute waste of their life. It's not going to make any difference next week, much less throughout eternity. It didn't help anybody. It didn't advance the kingdom. Do you believe God is able to do things in you and use you to affect something that matters every day? That you don't have to blow your time down here on nothing. Now, he said, if you're producing fruit, the Lord purges you so you can produce more. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Reckon there's any dead stuff in your life that's just sapping your time and your money and your opportunity that's just dead and hindering you from producing. Do you want it cut off? Do you want it to be trimmed up and purged off of you? Why? So you can produce more. So your time can matter. So your effort can make a difference. The Lord, he not only gives you opportunities to do things that make a difference, but he can make every stroke count for more. He can multiply your time and increase the results of what you do. You know, think about it. In ministry, I used to put forth as much effort or more ministering to three people and five people and ten and glad to do it. But now we got the internet. Amen. Now we got broadcast. We got, I mean, you're reaching millions yes, with the same effort that you used to reach three. Well, the Lord will do that for you. In your, whatever you're called to do, He's able to multiply you so that the fruit just multiplies and increases exponentially. Can you say, I believe it? Can you say, glory to God? Can you say, so be it unto me? Lord, purge me. Help me to produce more. Get the dead stuff out of me and off of me. Non-productive stuff out of my life. So I can be more fruitful for you. That's your heart. That's your, your prayer. Then get ready. He'll show you. Beginning right now. Second Peter, the first chapter. Second Peter... And one, down about verse three, says, according to his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now we are faith people. Anybody identify with that? We're faith. I mean you noticed on the front of the church. It says faith. We're big on faith. But do you need anything. Added to your faith. This verse says. Add to your faith. Virtue. And to virtue knowledge. And to knowledge temperance. And to temperance Patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things, these seven things he just mentioned to add to your faith, if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does this sound good? 
How many would like to have something that would make you so that you will not be barren and not be, if you're not barren, what are you? You're producing. If you're not unfruitful, what are you? You're fruitful. He said, verse 10, rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things that he just mentioned, you shall never fall. What a word. What a word. So we got excited and decided we're going to camp in this passage for a while. We're going to get these seven things in us and see that we've added them to our faith. We're doing them. We're abounding and increasing in them because they will make us that we'll never be barren or unfruitful and we won't fall. Adding these things to your faith will make you fruitful. The opposite of them is what keeps you from being fruitful. Excellence is the opposite of this Make do, minimum required, get by, good enough. Now what's excellence? Excellence is the best and reaching, using your faith. You know, if you say, it just seems like there's more. Seems like we can do better. You know why it seems like that? Because you can. Right? (laughs) Deep calls under deep. Just seem like we can have more. Seems like we can reach more. We can do more. We can do it better. That's because you can. Don't quit till you get there. Can you see that if you had that drive in you, it would cause you to produce more and be more fruitful and add to your virtue what? Knowledge. Knowledge. That word means not just knowing, but seeking knowledge. No matter what you know, it's a drop in the bucket compared to what you can know about it. And every day you ought to get up hungry, seeking to learn, saying, Lord, show me more. Teach me more. I need to learn. I need to know today. Teach me. Help me. Can you see that being hungry like this would cause you to produce more? What else add to your knowledge? What? Temperance. That's the word for being strong in a thing. Being masterful. It's what we get our idea of being self-controlled from. If you don't control yourself, it'll keep you from being fruitful and productive. You got to control your mouth. You got to control your temper. You got to control your appetites. Can you see if you just yield and don't control yourself, it'll keep you from being what you should be in God. But if you'll discipline yourself, it'll cause you to produce more than you thought. Add to your temperance patience, or that means perseverance and endurance. To your endurance, godliness, that's being like God. The fruit of the Spirit is like God. Love, joy, peace. Adding to godliness what? Brotherly kindness. We camped on that last week. And this love for your brother. Uh, The Bible differentiates between the world and your brother. The Bible said do good to all men. But especially them that are of the household of faith. We ought to recognize those that are in the family. Versus those that are out. Those that are outside. We want them in. But if they're not in. They're not our brother. Just because somebody believes that there's a God. Doesn't make them our brother. This stuff about the universal fatherhood of God and brotherhood of man is a lie. It's not true. Everybody's not your brother. There are two families in the earth. The devil is the the father of those that are unsaved. And God is the father of those that have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if somebody's your brother, you ought to have their back. Don't judge them. Don't hinder them. 
Help them if you've got it. That's the appeal of this, uh, you know, gangs and, and organized crime families. As, as You know, people want to be a part of something. They want to know somebody's got my back. Somebody's going to be there for me. But I'm telling you, these things are an imitation of the real thing. And don't you kid yourself. They talk brotherhood. They talk this. But when it comes down to you or them, they're going to sacrifice you. I mean, are you going to squeal on them? Are you going to, you know, are you going to tell on them? Are you going to uh, give it up to the law or whatever? They'll come and say, you know, so I love you like a brother, but I got to whack you <laughs> for the good of the family. <laughs> it's a lie. They will give you up in a minute. Don't you think they won't? But in the real family of God, the Lord loved us and gave himself for us. And a real brother will give himself for you. He'll lay his life down for you. And friend, we ought to have that flowing so powerfully throughout us that those on the outside look longingly and go, oh, I want to be a part of that bunch. I'm telling you, you get in that church, you got it made. You'll never be alone again. You'll never be without help or aid again because they take care of their own. What a grievous blotch it is that church hurt each other. I mean, the Bible said, didn't say it's by our tongues, by our prosperity, by our miracles that they would know us. He said it's by you loving each other the way I have loved you. That's how everybody will know that you're my disciples. And we ought to treat each other so good that it is a shining light. To those outside the family. Making them want to get in the family. It's the goodness of God. That draws men. To change. To repent. Let's look at this last one. What's the last one he said. Add to your faith. Add to brotherly kindness. Charity or love. Go to 2 Corinthians please. The 5th chapter. 2 Corinthians 5. How is love. Going to make us more fruitful. More productive. Well, what's the opposite of love? Opposite of love is selfishness. If you look at 1 Corinthians 13, he, he says love is not self-seeking and doesn't demand its own. One of the key things about the love of God is it's unselfish, selfless. So selfishness is going to keep you from being productive. It's going to make you barren. But the love of God will make you Fruitful and more fruitful. In 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, I believe it's the 14th verse here, well, 13th verse. Put this up on the screen in the Amplified for us, please. In the Amplified, he says, For if we are beside ourselves, mad as some say, it is for God and concerns Him. If we are in our right mind, it is for your benefit. Everybody say, for your benefit. For your sake, for your benefit, for, so these are connected, for the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us. He said it's for your sake because or for the love of Christ, the King James says, constrains us. The love of Christ controls urges, impels us. When you're born again, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Is the love of God in you? What does it mean that the love is constraining you? 
Go to Acts, if you would. Acts, the 18th chapter and the 5th verse. Acts 18.5. When Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit. And he testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. That's the same word translated constrained. What does this word mean? Constrain. Press. It means to press or hold. What was happening with Paul? He was pressed in the spirit. The result is that he testified to the Jews he preached. Can you see that he may have preached more than he would have otherwise or with greater fervency and urgency because something was pressing him. Not an oppressive pressure, but this word means a continual or a steady force. There was something in him that just kept pressing constraining. Can you see that this could have resulted in him having more fruit in that area than he would have otherwise? Something was moving in him. Something was pressing in him. You know, as I was reading this, I I thought about myself and and then I thought about uh, others. I thought about how some of the people that God has used so mightily in our generation and the previous generation. And you look at what God has used them to do. They have just gone seemingly nonstop. Some of the things God has used them to accomplish. You know, I don't care who you are. You get tired. Your mind, your body. You got things you want to do. You got things that appeal to you that maybe you want to go do this and do that and do the other. But there was something in them that pressed them. So that instead of doing all that and just taking care of themselves and kicking back and taking it easy, they went somewhere else and did it some more and did it fervently. Can you see how that that kind of thing would cause you to produce more, cause you to bear more fruit than you ever thought you might? Something was pressing them. I thought about, you know, Brother Oral Robertson. All the tent meetings he had and that ministry and, and, and Brother Hagen, the Copelands and, and the list goes on. Can you see? They got something in them. Can you see that? Something in them that they can't sit still for very long. I got the same thing in me. I mean, I enjoy having a good time. I enjoy taking a vacation. But I don't care. I mean, just not too long back, I was on one of the finest, prettiest beaches and one of the nicest places. I I can't be there for too long. I get ready. I want to go preach. I'm not getting any reward hanging out on the beach here by myself. I'm not producing anything. It's okay to get a little rest. But you know, this life is not just for rest and recreation. We can rest later when we get over there. This is time to produce. Are y'all with me, saints? So many people bless their hearts. They give their whole life, their whole time, all their energy, all their effort to making a living. And planning and retiring. Just like sinners do. With no real concept and thought of what it's going to matter or what it's going to mean. No, friend, 
We're here for just a short time. I've often thought, you know, once in a while it crosses my mind. If I think about, you know, not doing anything or not doing that or just slacking off or whatever. I think, you know, what would Paul do if he had the internet and jet airplanes? (laughs) I mean, he reached the known world with sailing ships that move three miles an hour and on foot and donkeys and scrolls. And God has allowed you and me to live in this generation and this time and have these kind of tools and these kind of opportunities. How many think we ought to be producing? We ought to be getting this gospel to every corner of the planet, every night, every, we ought to be getting this job done because soon and very soon we're out of here. Soon, soon, just a few more breaths and you're out. Every one of us. He didn't say redeem your stuff. He didn't say just take care of yourself and make yourself happy. He didn't say just play. What did he say? Redeem your time. It's precious. Redeem, make the most of every opportunity and every hour in time. Is this okay this morning? Are are y'all okay? Go with me to uh, Luke the 12th chapter. Then we'll go over to Philippians the first chapter if you want to find two of them. Luke 12. This was working in Jesus. Luke 12 and 50. Luke 12 and 50, Jesus said, I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how am I straightened? Same word translated constrained and pressed. (laughs) I guess sometimes you need to do a little study, don't you? Same word, same same idea. I am straightened till it be accomplished. The Amplified brings it out good on that. Jesus said, I have a baptism with which to be baptized and how greatly and sorely I'm urged on. I'm impelled. I'm constrained until it is done. Was Jesus on a mission? See, the Bible said when Paul came to that part of the country, he was pressed in the spirit. He thought, man, I got to get this done and I got to get it done now. I got to preach. I got to reach these folks. I got to get this message out. I know uh, Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, who's going home to be with the Lord now. He said years back he was having meetings that would go, you know, three, four, five, six weeks at a time. And he's preaching to a hundred folks and, and two hundred folks and pouring his heart out and and he's glad to do it, but he said, then he'd get in his car and he'd drive to the next meeting, ever how many states away it was. He said again and again, time after time, he'd just weep while he uh, drove away saying, Lord, you know, thank you for this. But the whole world needs to know this. How can we get this message out? How can we get this? Is, how many know the things that God has shown you? Too good to keep to yourself. I mean, everybody ought to know at least what we know. Everybody ought to be enjoying what we be free and be healed and be blessed. And so he'd just cry and say, Lord, how can we get this message out? And you know, before his life was over, God allowed him to raise up a school and train up thousands of people like me. 
and Phyllis and, and other people. And then these thousands are reaching millions. Glory to God. The word is getting. The Copelands were some of the ones that were influenced. And what God's using them to do and everybody that's under them. I'm telling you, if it's burning in your soul, if it's burning in your heart, and you'll keep believing and you'll keep going, he will enable you to produce more than you ever imagined he could use you to produce. The Bible said Jesus, he was urged, he was pressed, he was pushed, and he yielded to it. Now, it's not just a handful of preachers that have got this burning inside them. This isn't, the love of God is in every believer. But the thing is, you can yield to the flesh and you can suppress that. You can ignore it. You can override it. You can push it down. Even though it's there, you know, get up, get busy, go serve, go visit. Go do this, become a part, get involved. There's something else that can pull you another way. I'm tired. I work hard. I don't have time. I need some me time. (laughs) I've got to take care of myself and and my family. Your family does not come before the kingdom of God. What if Moses had put his family before the kingdom of God? What if Jesus had put his family before the kingdom of God? Case after case. No. One of the best things you ever did was to serve the Lord with all your heart and set the example for the rest of your family. Serve. We're saved to serve. Say that out loud. Saved to serve. Say it again. I am saved to serve. Not talking about serving your flesh, serving your brothers. Serving the church, serving the kingdom of God, that'll be fruit that remains. Now, notice this in Philippians 1. You'll see this thing we just got through talking about. And the 23rd verse, Philippians 1, 23. Paul said, I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Look at the Amplified of that. And you see why I'm reading this. I am what? Here's this pressing. I'm hard pressed between two. He's getting pressed from two directions. Can you see this? My yearning desire is to depart and be free of this world and set forth and be with Christ. For that is far, far better. I mean, it's not like he's not done anything. He's preached to the known world. He's been beat. He's been shipwrecked. He's been uh, scourged and mocked. And he's had demons harass him. And he's seen it all and done it all. And he feels like, I've done my tour of duty. <laughs> I'm ready to get out of here. I And heaven had become so real to him. And the Lord had become so real to him. Until there was a pressing on him. From him. To get out of here. Leave this place. Go to be with the Lord. But there was something else pressing him. (laughs) Read the next verse. There was something else pressing him. But to remain in my body is more needful and essential for your sake. Oh, do you see this? For your sake. For you. The love of God is constraining him, isn't it? It's pressing him. It's urging him. Nah, it'd be great for you to go. Yeah, but you need to help them. They need help. You know they need help. 
You need to stay and help these guys and get them more established and get them better. You listen to me. Those of you that are getting a little bit older now. It's a sad thing that so many of our folks that when they get toward the later years of their life and they become actually some of the most valuable times of their life and they leave early. I said they leave early and you know you can be pulled on to leave early especially if you get attacked with physical things. It gets easier just to go home to be with the Lord because it takes strength to stay and to fight and to stand. But I'm telling you we need you. We need you and you ought to let the love of God constrain you so that you do what it takes to overcome and stay as long as you need to stay. I know the Lord helped me with this when I was just a boy, just a teenager, and had just got a hold, uh, actually through the Copeland's tapes, found out I was redeemed from the curse of the law. Hadn't got over it since. I'm telling you, and I, I begin to find out that it was God's will. I, I'd always believed God was a healing God, but I, I didn't know anything about it. And, and anyway, a lady in our church, Sister Luna Kay, that was her name. And she is a, a, a strong person in the church, strong testimony. She'd get up to testify and just bless the whole church, anointed. And uh, she was diagnosed with cancer and had three or four bouts of it. And now they'd given her up to die and she's... Uh, no hope, bedfast in the hospital. Well, I I knew enough just to be dangerous, and so I, I I got my little Bible, and every day after work I could go by the hospital, and I went by her her uh, room. She's weak, terrible shape, cancer ridden. I mean, the doctors are giving up on her, just giving her something to help manage the pain. And I tried to tell her she's redeemed from the curse of the law, and she looked at me like, "Honey, that's nice." And, can I read a scripture? Oh, yes, she wants to hear the scripture. But some way or another, it wasn't registering. And he took our infirmities. Some way or another, didn't get through to her. By stripes, you're healed. Some way or another, she just smiled and, and she's dying. And, but I didn't give up. I just kept coming by. I just kept coming by. And one day I came by and, and I read the verse to her. I said, you know, in Psalm 91, with long life, he'll satisfy you and show you his salvation. And I said, sister, call her. I said, are you satisfied? Are you sure you've done everything that you need to do? I said, we like it when you're in church. I said, us young whippersnappers, we hardly know anything about God. We need people like you that have been around a long time. And I said, could you not stay around a while and help us? She began to brighten up a little bit. She said, well, I love to serve the Lord. I love to be in church. I said, we need you. She said, you do? I said, we do. Really? I said, are you satisfied? Are you sure? She said, well, there are some other things I would like to do. I, read, I, I thought, uh-oh, I got it now. I, got it. <laughs> I read the scripture again. I said, it's right here, Sister Luna. It says, with long life, he will satisfy you and show you. I'm telling you, she began to get straight. She said, it does say that. I said, it does say that. It's right here. <laughs> She got better and better and better and came home. Glory to God. Came home and stood up in that church and testified and lived. I know because I talked to something was pulling on her. Get out of here. Go home to be with the Lord. But the love of Christ in her was stronger to constrain her and to urge her to fight and get healed and overcome and stay and get some more fruit. Yes. Yes. Glory to God. 
Then go when you know that you know that you're done. Right way, right time. He said, nevertheless, verse 24, to abide in the flesh, to stay here is more needful for you. And verse 25, and since I'm convinced of this, I know I'm going to remain. I'm going to stay with you and promote your progress and joy. I'm going to stay because you need help. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. Somebody say, I'm going to help you for your sake, for your benefit. How many know if that's burning in you strong enough, it'll get you up when you're tired. It'll cause you to go again. No matter if you had something planned and you want to do something that you thought was fun, you'll say, yeah, but they need me. They need this. And that can wait. And it doesn't matter anyhow. Listen, this life is not just for playing and having fun and retiring and recreation. Nobody's supposed to retire from the work of God. Nobody. You retire when you breathe your last breath or the trumpet sounds. No, no. You work till Jesus comes. You work. You work. You work. You produce. You produce. You bear fruit. And and if you'll listen right now, the love of God is in you churning. It's been stirred up since you've been in here. Is that right? The love of God stirring in you. Pressing you on. We can do more. We can do better. We can help more with more. Is that your heart? Is that your desire? Somebody say glory to God. The love of God is working in me. Working in me. Urging me on. Pressing me through. Glory to God. Glory to God. It's a, I started to say it's a, a secret weapon to the devil, but it's a, it's that kind of thing because love never fails. There is nothing that can over, there is no weapon that can defeat love or overcome it. And there, there's been time after time in our life that you just thought, well, can I go on? Can I do more? I'm, I'm tired. I, I want to do this or that. And you got to thinking about, I can help them. The Lord can use me to help them. And I'm telling from somewhere comes strength. From somewhere comes refreshing and enablement. And this will keep you your whole life long. It'll help you live another 20 years beyond where you would have died. Are you listening, friends? It'll help you to have faith and believe for resources that you never would have had to do it. The love of God is God himself. There's nothing mightier. There's nothing more powerful than him. God is love. And it's that love that's urging you on. Here's something else before we conclude with this. The Bible said, in fact, turn there. 1 Corinthians 14. 13th chapter, you know, talks about this great love that's urging us, pressing us compelling us, constraining us. But, you know, it wasn't written in chapter and verse. So the flow out of the love description and chapter into that very next chapter, what does it say, verse 1? Do what? So follow after this love and desire spiritual gifts. Now, this is such a huge part of the flow of the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit. Some are hungry, 
maybe I should say they're infatuated in their mind with the supernatural aspect of the gifts of the Spirit. But the gifts of the Spirit are not just so you can sit in a chair and go, Woo, I see stuff. Woo, I'm going to prophesy to myself. Woo, (laughs) I got the power. Woo. (laughs) No, no, no. The gifts of the Spirit are to flow through you. To help others for their sakes. It can help you with some things, but it's primarily to flow through you. I mean, the child of God ought to know they're healed by the stripes of Jesus. Or to know their needs are met. And not require the spectacular supernatural just to get me through. But then that can function to help others that don't even know. There was a couple that made an impression on Phyllis and myself many years ago. Uh, in ministry, and I want to share something that she shared about the gifts of the Spirit. They were used mightily in the gifts of the Spirit, and the word of knowledge, outstanding, detailed, powerful word of knowledge. And um, she shared one night about how the somebody asked her, how does that come? It's so amazing. How do you get those things? And she said, well, I, all I know to explain it to you is that I'll just be sharing or speaking Or I'll just be on the side with my husband preaching and just looking over the crowd and my heart will go out to somebody. The love of God will just come up in me towards them. And I may not know anything about them or anything about their situation, but I've just learned to say, you know, could I minister to you? Could I pray for you and not have a thing, not know a thing? But when they stand up, I'll know something. Or when I put my hand on them, I'll know something. Well, The word of knowledge came as she followed that love. Can you see this? She followed that love. That love was constraining her, compelling her, urging her. And as she followed it out, here came a manifestation of the gift of the Spirit that helped them for their sake. Now, you don't have to be a preacher for this to work. This is supposed to work in all believers all the time. I don't know if the times I, the Lord just prompted me, somebody came up on my heart. The love of God came up on, on my heart towards them. Not I'm feeling sorry for them. Not I'm worried about them. I said the love of God. Jesus was moved not with fear and concern and worry. He was moved with compassion. That's not sympathy. That's the powerful love of God to change the situation. And there's been time after time the love of God had come up in my heart towards somebody. Call them. Pray for them. Check on them. And so I did. I think one individual, I, I just picked up the phone and called him. And it's a, a pastor friend of mine. Hadn't seen him or talked to him in a long time. And he sounded a little bit strange. He said, Brother Keith, is that really you? I said, it's me. Hey, what you doing? He said, I'm on my knees praying right here. And I was asking the Lord for an answer to the question. And you called. Now the thing is, I don't have a clue why I called. Yet. But I'm following love. Oh, can you see this, friend? I'm following love. And I just listened while he shared for a moment. And while he shared, a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge came up in me. Just like that, I knew. And could begin to share. Can you see this, friends? We follow this love that's urging us and compelling us. And here comes the supernatural. Here comes the works of God, the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations of God, and the needs are met. And the people are That is fruit. That's fruit. And that fruit remains unless can God use you. 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 Come on, say somebody say me. Me. Can he use you? You. 
Yes, but you must not suppress this love. You must not be so infatuated and so involved in what you want and what's fun for you and your recreation and my time that you don't have time for all this. When something comes up in you, follow it, follow it, follow it. Pray, call, check, visit. You don't have to know all the details. Just do it. And as you're following that, you'll run into the supernatural. You'll find the ability of God. Somebody say, the love of Christ constrains me. Can you see how that will make you more fruitful? Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, praise you. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.